podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. This week's episode is all about finding community. It doesn't necessarily mean when you're moving to a new place, but also for those who are experiencing a lot of change in terms of maybe a change of being married or having children or having your community change in some other way. We talked this week about the pains of that change, how important community is, and how we can find community where we are. We hope that it's a help for you wherever you find yourself. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. So welcome to uh, In the Thicket Season 3, Episode 2. And um, I'm Rachel, and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Erin Kinsella. And I'm Nicole. Oh, sorry. I'm like panicking in my head because I was like, I don't know how much introduction we're doing. (laughs) As much or as little as you want. Tell me what I ate today. I don't know. I'm Erin. My name is Erin Kinsella. That's it. Hi, and I'm Nicole Richard Williams. (laughs) Yeah. It's so fun to get used to that. Yes, Nicole. Yeah, just got for married. me too. For anyone yes. who hasn't listened to episode one and you're just kind of sliding in on episode two for the episode two, season three, that's possible. I feel like that is very rare, but if you're that person, I commend <laughs> you and I welcome you. Um, right. But yeah, Nicole got married this summer. So her last name as, yeah, has expanded editions. Yes. Yeah. I do have mm-hmm. to say that frequently I want to call you Nicole Sherwin Williams because that. Oh, the Williams, paint company. The paint company. Oh, yeah. just, there's some commercials about that. They run through my head. So. Is that like uh, North American? Like, is that just a Canadian? We're all Canadian, by the way, for everyone who's listening. So some some of our references are Canada specific. We're going to try to translate. Mm -hmm. And it is fun because really, we might have to translate some things back into Canadian because two of you guys are in the States now. That's right. It's true. Stuck me in Canada. Well, mm. with our well with our fantastic secret prayer partner that we have so there's still still like kind of half and half of the of the podcast quartet that's around you know that's true right mm-hmm. the podcast quartet I like that I today you guys I've had a kind of a crazy day I went to Ikea and um went sh- bookshelf shopping um yeah. <laughs> Fun. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just kind of love Ikea, you know, maybe I know there's people who don't like it and that's fair. Cause it's like, you know, budget furniture, but I'm really grateful for budget furniture right now. I'm a grad <laughs> student and that's yep. great, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got some bookshelves and then I ate food there because it's really cheap. The food right? is really cheap. That's, that's where my parents go on their date a lot is they'll go to breakfast at Ikea That's or they'll so like go fun. to dinner at Ikea. <laughs> it's like a budget. <laughs> I love that. My parents are very thrifty. Yeah. I really get it. Yeah. I do. Like, I really like Ikea furniture partly because I do like the challenge of putting it together. Um, mm-hmm. And because I do find that their instructions are actually pretty good compared to like my, my parents had some renovations last year. So they got a bunch of whatever new furniture tables and stuff. And, um, and it was like, it, it was like a nightmare trying to put just some of those things together because right. instructions were awful. So at least with Ikea, it's, you know, you get excited and mm. probably it's something that you may have put together already 10,000 <laughs> times, like lack end tables with the, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like the top and then you got yeah. the four thingies and it just, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, we're not uh, sponsored by Ikea. I should say. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Nicole? Did you guys buy any like 
what did you do for furniture? Cause Nathan was already in the apartment, right? And you moved in with him. Yeah. So we, so there's actually fun fact, there is no Ikea in Nashville. Closest Ooh. one is I think Memphis. So you can get stuff. Right. Shipped out. But we had, so <clears throat> when we, when we moved to Nashville, we weren't moving we didn't move in together. Mm. And so I, I had very little furniture, but, um, a good friend of mine, Vanessa Chan, shout to Vanessa. She listens sometimes yeah. to this podcast, uh, gave me a bunch of furniture and then I got a bunch of stuff from buy nothing, which is like a Facebook group oh, where yeah. people give stuff away for free. So, <clears throat> so I had some furniture and then, um, and then, yeah, and we've gotten, you know, we actually just bought our first couch together and we had like, we ordered it from target though. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to assemble it as well, but it was like pretty good. And cause mm-hmm. we had some, you know, gift cards and things like that from our, yeah. from our wedding and things. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we haven't actually bought anything from Ikea in this house. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, you know, Nashville is like the Cowboys, they build their own furniture. They don't need, yeah. they don't need Ikea. Like, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, they yeah. yeah. They're yeah, building it all woodworking with, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, even know what words to use. I don't know. <laughs> the only thing I've ever done with woodworking was in high, in junior high. I don't know how they got away with this, but they had like a woodworking wood shop still. And I mm. feel like so many people could have died there. And in I'm surprised junior high. in wow. junior high. And I'm surprised that I didn't die there, but there was one time where I was using a lathe, which is like a thing that you yeah. attach a piece of wood to, and it spins really fast. And then you use a piece of metal to go along it to like whatever make it round or carve things in it and stuff anyway so I was trying to make a bowl on that and I ended up just basically making a flat ashtray that I then painted (laughs) with flammable paint and gave my mom for Christmas (laughs) somehow it disappeared after that I don't know what happened to it must have gotten lost but it gotten burned yeah I guess so yeah anyways I I lived so I lived through shop class wow in junior high I'm so in junior high yeah that's so hardcore excuse me so you could Um, survive in Nashville without the Ikea yeah that's right I could make myself 20 ashtrays and then I could take up smoking there you go <laughs> so my main like when I think about IKEA, I think about how for the longest time Winnipeg did not have an IKEA. Mm. And Winnipegers liked to complain about how we did not have an IKEA. Right. right. And it was like, why like we're we're like, we're as big as any of those other cities that have IKEAs. Like, we need an IKEA. And it was just like a thing. That's and then so we funny. got one and everyone was like, and then the, the chatter all died down because everyone was like, okay. That's funny. That's, and it's now, identity everything crisis. is as it should be. You know, it's like a reverse identity crisis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, thank you, Ikea, for uh, that's right, sponsoring our initial conversation. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine if we approach them? Like, just say, Ikea, this. listen, we have the perfect partnership for you guys. We do Catholic podcast on suffering, and many people suffer when putting together their pieces of furniture. So, you know, I see it. Fit. It's great. It totally yeah. fits. That's yeah. right. Totally just fits. like your furniture pieces. Yeah. Good. Just like an Allen key to the that's little right. thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So good. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, no, today we're not, uh, we're actually talking about, you know, building other things, building community, Ooh. that segue. Yeah. Right. Nice yeah. segue. Um, but yeah, we are talking about building community because it's hard sometimes it's, it's hard, you know, yeah. um, figuring out where you fit in, in like, you know, into a, into an, into a community. And sometimes like I'm in a situation where I just moved, um, like countries basically where Nicole, you were in this situation last year and, um, 
And it's been, I feel really blessed because the school that I'm in, they kind of encourage building community and I have lots of opportunities to meet people. Um, so I'm grateful for that, but it's still hard because the community that I left behind, I'm still connected to. And I'm kind of going through this thing of like, how do I, how do I keep that connection in a way that's good? And, um, you know, that, that God wants me to, and not stay too far behind Mm -hmm. and not move forward, but also not like cut ties because I don't, I don't need to cut. I want to keep those beautiful friendships and relationships that I have. Um, but I also know people who are dealing with people leaving. So we're like, you know, kind of like in that young adult phase still, or I am still anyways in our, in our lives. And a lot of times people get new jobs or they get married or they, you know, things happen and they move and some people don't. And, and you're kind of in the situation where the community you had isn't any longer there for you. Like, you know, they're, they've Mm -hmm. all kind of gone. And so there's a lot of times in our lives, not just in university, but if you're in university, that's something you might be experiencing as well, but not just university or in school where you're like, it's Mm -hmm. a new year and I have to make new friends. There are all kinds of reasons why this can be a struggle. So yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys, maybe start with Aaron, like what's your, what's your experience with struggling to find or build community or struggling to be yeah. left behind with being left behind. You know? Yeah. It's kind of funny actually. Cause even when you were talking about that, I was rethinking to sometimes in like ministry and some of the time it's true that it's not even moves that have to do with changes right. in community. But a lot of times it's like, if you're getting married, then it's kind of like a whole, or like a, when you start having kids, then there's like, it's different communities that you're looking for. Anyways, it's a big, yeah. It's like a bigger question, a bigger thing than I, that I, than I think we think of sometimes of like having that shift in community and how it affects us. But for me, it's been interesting because my dad, um, is in the RCMP. So for those who don't know, don't know what the RCMP is, it's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So if you picture the police officers the on their horses, the Mounties, the Mounties yeah. with yeah, their when red calls for any, that's for right. any, probably mostly women out there who <laughs> know that joke. Uh, that's great. That's so, um, so Mounties don't actually do that. They mostly are not on horses or wearing red surge unless it's like an official function, but, um, but they do move around a lot. So that's how it kind of works when you're in the RCMP is if you want promotions, you need to move. So that's uh, kind of an incentive for people to take up new different postings places. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it also in some ways kind of like limits maybe some, I don't know, favoritism or corruption, or I think that's part of the idea, right? Because then it's like, you're not, everybody in town is not your brother and you're just letting them all Mm -hmm. off the hook for things or something. But um, anyway, so we lived, so I was born in, my parents lived in um, Lynn Lake, Manitoba. I was born when we lived in Falcon Lake, Manitoba. Um, We lived in Richmond, BC, Fort Quapel, Saskatchewan, Regina, Saskatchewan. Yarmouth, Nova Scotia was where I moved when I was in junior high, was there for high school, went to Halifax to Dalhousie, um, and then did some work terms in like BC, Ottawa, um, Winnipeg, Texas. Uh, I went down to Texas after, um, and then was back here. So I've moved around, like even after I had my conversion, like I worked in Winnipeg for a while. Then I was in Victoria. So it's like all of these different things. So there's a part of me that's like kind of used to like just going out to things and meeting people like Mm -hmm. at mass or at this or at that. But I actually find um, that the older I get, the less I want to 
the less easy it is to open myself up because you can go and be in a new community and not be in that community. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know, like yeah. mm-hmm. even if you know people and you can say like, Oh, Hey, Sarah, how is Eureka? Whatever. It's not the same as having somebody know intimate details of your life yeah. or knowing intimate details about there. And that kind of stuff doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you get kind of out of practice with that, or if you're just like, like I've done it a lot. So I feel like there's a part of me that's like, I'm tired. Like, yeah. I don't know that I have the energy to, to like put out to this, you know? So that's definitely been a challenge for me at times in more recent years as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting, Erin, you're talking about moving around most of your life and, and just getting used to having to go and just talk to people and make friends and just kind of going with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think I, I resonate with that. It's, it gets harder when you get older too. Cause there must be maybe some sort of like, I don't know, like a human thing where you're like, I just, I just want to be stable. Like I just want to yeah. be with the people where you can, where mm-hmm. there's no, where it doesn't take any energy to hang out with them because they're just, there's just this understand there's so much that's understood. You don't have to like be up for it, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's interesting. I, like I lived in the same place my whole life until I was 23. And then I moved away for my internship, uh, for undergrad. And I remember, um, like the thought that like, Oh, well I'll have to find like community or have to find friends. Like, um, I, I definitely had that thought. I definitely, but it wasn't, I didn't, I don't think I had the emotional awareness of how deep a need there was for community. Cause I had always had it. I'd always had my yeah. family and friends in Winnipeg and I didn't know what it was like to not have that. Mm. Um, until all of a sudden I was in this new place and I was, it was a rural uh, town and I was living with this family and they were lovely. So there was some, like, I, I wasn't alone, alone, but it takes time to meet new friends, like for people my age and stuff. Um, and I was very lonely and it was very hard. It was, I would still say it was one of the tough, tougher years of my life and like a big kind of growing thing. Cause I just didn't realize how much I needed that. And I didn't, um, you know, aside from going to the one sort of Catholic young adults group that I did find, I didn't know how else to kind of go and meet people. Um, and so I only had this kind of like once a month thing and that Mm -hmm. was it. That was my whole social life for a while. So that was tough. And I think um, that's been a, a theme other times. And, and I, then there was, then there was the added, um, <clears throat> you know, when I, when I moved back to Winnipeg after that year, I hadn't necessarily done a great job of, of maintaining my mm-hmm. friendships. Um, and it was, it was a shock where it wasn't like I went back and everyone just sort of picked up where I left off. Like mm-hmm. all of my friends had continued living their lives and moving. And I, I had to rekindle some friendships because they had kept going without me, which I don't know why that shocked me, but it was, it just, I just hadn't considered that, you know? Mm. So I think that that's been a lot of the, of my history of moving is not really knowing how much I need that community until I don't have it or until I'm given it. And and then that's a huge blessing. And I'm like, Oh, this is, 
Mm. Like, I can't imagine if I didn't have this, like, you know, when I moved to Toronto and Aaron was at the Newman center and I was able to meet some folks really quickly. And because of Aaron met a lot of people through her and just other students. And that was one of the most smoothest, one of the smoothest transitions, just meeting lots of people, you know? Mm. So yeah, yeah, just varied experiences. I think in this latest move to Nashville, yeah. It would have been a similar thing where if I'd moved, I would have totally moved by myself and be like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll meet people. Mm. Um, but then having Nathan also move with me, there's been a number of times where I'm just like, oof, this would have been rough without him. Like mm-hmm. the Lord knew what I needed, you know, and just in terms of other people, because I don't necessarily think about that for myself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, loneliness is a, is a pretty big part of this conversation because you, you can like, like you said, Aaron, like when you're meeting people or you're in the community, like even when you, and sometimes it feels more lonely when you're like new somewhere or things have changed and you are, or like you said, even if you've some people around you have had kids, so I'm single. So a lot of my friends mm-hmm. have kids or the opposite. You're the only, I know people who have, are the only ones in their friend group who have kids. Like suddenly there's a kind of, um, there's a kind of factor that, that, that makes you feel disconnected mm-hmm. from the people around you or, or you just don't have the people you used to have around you. So, and then there's this, like, it's this incredible loneliness. And I think that that is really the, the heart of the struggle of finding community, because I think it can be incredibly discouraging. Like when you're, when you're feeling lonely, sometimes it can be sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like, well, mm-hmm. I'm alone. And like, I can't do this. And it depends on what kind of struggles every you know, each character, each personality has, because we, some mm-hmm. people, if you're super extroverted, that may be an impetus to go out and meet more people. But sometimes even if you're, you're an extrovert, you're like, I don't, I think I've peaked. Like, I don't know how to make friends anymore. Or mm, yeah. I don't know how to get past this isolation that I'm feeling. Um, and I think, I think for me, like, it hasn't happened necessarily just from moving because like you, Aaron, I've moved a lot in my life. So it's kind of not as scary to me, but it's happened from like shifts in the sands of my, like Mm. just my life. And so in that, I think I've had to, two things for me have happened where I've had to get really comfortable in my own company, first of all. Mm. And sometimes people are already, but I don't know if I was necessarily, I've really had to be intentional about that, especially moving to to DC. I've been like, okay, Rachel, like you're going to be alone a lot of times that you're not used to being alone in. And yeah. you know, like even when I went shopping to Ikea for bookshelves, I was shopping alone. So I had to like mm. know that before I went in. So like, how am I going right. to lift things and what am I going to do? And so, mm. and then be open to asking for help when I came home, the family that I live with, you know, I did ask for help. So I didn't sort of stay in that, sh- that isolation right. and, and was like, I have to figure this out on my own. Like there were people. And so I, I reached out. So just kind of learning to be, first of all, good company for myself. And then like learning to reach out when the opportunity Mm -hmm. arises. And I'm not great. I would say at either of those things, like I am not good at asking for help. I normally try to do things kind of solo. And I also, when I'm alone, I like listen to podcasts and I like take in, I fill my, you know, space Mm. with noise and, and it feels like company. And so I've really tried Mm. to not do that all the time being here and just kind of really feel the reality of my situation Mm -hmm. for what it is, you know? It's funny because it's like, it kind of, um, 
like I remember when we moved different places. I don't know if you guys have kind of experienced this when you've been to somewhere new, especially if you're going where some where people don't know you at all. Um, there's almost like this sense of like reinvention. Like mm. you could reinvent yourself yeah. in any way that you want to, because nobody knows you. Like, so I always kind of had this sense of like, um, of like. I don't think I ever really thought of anything crazy. Like I'm going to pretend that I've invented lipstick. Like that's <laughs> that I am the inventor, <laughs> like whatever, um, like anything crazy like that. But I do, I do like remember feeling like it was a fresh start in some ways yeah. because it was like, I could leave all of the mistakes that I made behind. I can leave all of the broken, whatever friendships or mess or anything like that, or, um, or any of the parts of me that I didn't like, like feeling like I could mm. leave that behind, which is also interesting because mm. they always seem to follow me somehow. <laughs> so I don't know, but, but it like, it kind of gives you this, like, it's like you're almost stepping away and there's a spotlight on yourself and you're like looking at yourself and examining yourself. So it kind of like, yeah. you know, really makes you reflect on who you actually are because you're going to be articulating that to people who don't know anything about you. Yeah, yeah that's so true. I totally resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what has been yeah. helpful, I guess, to you guys then in, in dealing with kind of some of this stuff, you know? Um, Mm. I mean, I guess what you said, Aaron, like the fresh start feeling is a good way to look at it. It can be, it's a helpful lens. Like we have to sometimes reframe things in order to be able to approach them, um, with energy and, you know, kind of commitment. And I think thinking of something as a fresh start is, is even if you're the one left behind, maybe like not to ignore the pain, but to, to say like, okay, this is an opportunity Mm-hmm. to examine myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That is good. I think to what you're saying, Aaron, like, and both of you guys are saying like to, to practice reaching out, um, and also serving like, like it, so I, I, um, <clears throat> it's funny growing up, my family, uh, my parents had moved out to Winnipeg and they didn't have any relatives there. And so, um, so they learned to kind of make friends and stuff and just find community there. And, um, but we had a couple friends who were, um, like Jean Rebel was a lady who she's was very uh, close to our family and she became kind of like our, our grandmother and she was at all our birthdays and Christmas and Easter and everything. And she, you know, she became friends with us. We, you know, we'd invite her over, but she would invite herself over. Like she kind of just integrated herself into the life of our family and, and we loved it and she loved it. And I remember, I don't know if it was something that I, I think probably consciously my parents and I talked about it where we were like, she was, she had some wisdom where she, she was single and she knew she needed community. And then she saw us and knew that we needed, we needed her. And so she just, she just came <laughs> like, and so I remember thinking like, okay, if I'm ever like single in a new place, like I'm just going to find a family and become their aunt, like just integrate myself. <laughs> and like, um, and I'm, and so in, when I was in Toronto, that was one of the, one of the families who I became really close to is this family. Um, they're Ital- Italian and new to Toronto. And I don't remember what it was about them when I met them, but I, I, you know, I talked to them after church one Sunday and I was like, this family, I'm going to become their friend. And, and it, and then it happened. Like 
Um, I think I offered to babysit for free. I was like, listen, let me know if you ever need a babysitter. And they were, they like took me up on it. And then we like became friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was really life-giving for me because I think it's easy to, I mean, you can go and try to find community with people your own age. And I think that's important and good. Um, but there's something about being in service to a family, to children, to a place where, where you're needed and they're, and they Mm. need you and you need them. Um, that is really meaningful in a different way. And it was meaningful for me in a different way. And um, Nathan, yeah. I hear as well, have been able to get to know families who have kids and, um, and mm. there's just, yeah, there's something really beautiful about that. So like that, yeah, that just that community, it's not just about like friends our own age. It's about being involved in families and in generations. I think there's something yeah. that's um, really yeah. healing about that too. Yeah. yeah, I love I that's such a good point that like when we think of community as maybe younger people or young adults, we, we often think of yeah, we often think of people our age and it's not always and and sometimes we need we really need other people with other kinds of experiences. And I I think I just I had an experience of this actually very recently because I went to a big family wedding in Chicago. Um it was a huge wedding, like it was almost like a family reunion on my on my dad's side. And the bride is, um, so the, the groom's Indian, the bride's American and all her family were there for some of the kind of pre-wedding events. And so we got to meet each other and, um, and I was, I like really resonated with her family because a lot of them are practicing Catholics, all these like older people in her family, like my, maybe just a little bit younger than my grandparents would be, uh, live in Virginia, which is like hmm. very close to where I'm. So like, we kind of just sort of like locked in and we were like, oh my gosh. And they were, you know, really into their faith. And so I kind of be- became like best friends with all these people, you know, hmm. these retired people. And I just felt so at home with them yeah. and it was, and it really did. So to kind of speak to that feeling of belonging, like you kind of meeting this family or gene with you guys, like I had this sort of instant connection with these people and felt like, oh yeah, I could totally belong in this community of like people, my grandparents age, you know, but I yeah. was so loved by them and yeah. just, um, yeah. so at home with them. Um, mm-hmm. so not to discount those opportunities, mm-hmm. I guess that's such a good point. Yeah. 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 Even like what you were saying, Nicole of the, like that kind of really struck me of the seeking to serve, because I think so often we can go into places, into a new place or whatever, and we have needs. And so it's kind of like, we're approaching things, looking to have those needs met. So then, yeah. which is also, it's also like, I think we have to guard ourselves against that a little bit because a person is never an object to be used, even for yes. friendship, even for community, even for something good or a need mm-hmm. that we have. Right. Yes. So it's like, um, going, going to going into things with that kind of attitude of like, like, who are you calling me to love Lord? Like, even in terms of, even in terms of friendship, like, and this is like definitely a helpful thing, right. Of like letting the Lord make those connections, because sometimes it happens naturally through when you're whatever you're involved in a choir, like sometimes it has nothing to do with faith, anything. And you're just, I don't know, do doing a play and then you get to know your fellow actor, whatever, who knows. You join a bowling bowling league, whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly. And then you're doing, it's like, you're doing something with people, like even a bowling league, like together you're working towards this common goal. And it's like, there's a, there's like a goodness there, you know, that really does foster friendships. Um, and even like, 
yeah, even with, um, faith friendships, especially like that's, I mean, this is a, we're Catholic, right? So it, it seems kind of obvious, but, but there is something that's, that is like the commonality from being Catholic or from knowing the Lord I've personally found is, um, has been such a gift because when I meet another Catholic who has that kind of deep relationship with the Lord, like that commonality is often like, it's a deep start. It's a deeper start to a friendship than if we both like the color blue, which is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it facilitates yeah. things in a, in a different, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know, I was just saying this to a friend of mine yesterday, um, who we were just connecting on a, a bunch of different things that are going on in our lives. And, and I was saying to her, like, I feel so blessed because God has given me friendships that are really, um, you know, companions on the journey, like people who I get to walk with and who I get to lean on and who get to lean on me. And we get to sort of help each other grow closer to God in a very real way, like not just conceptually and not just mm. through, you know, fun, like thoughts and ideas. Like we are really doing life together. And these are people like you guys, like you're not even, we're not in the same, you know, cities, like we're not anywhere near each other, but there is kind of a unity in, in the spirit. Like there is a communion in the body of Christ, like where I've learned that the church really is my family. And there are people in the church who God has put in my life to be my my spiritual family. And yeah. that is such a deep relationship. And I think what I was realizing as I was talking to this person yesterday is I really need to be grateful to the Lord for those relationships. Like, even if I don't, we don't get to talk all the time. I know that these are people who are praying for me and I'm praying for them. And there's such an experience of God in that. And I think that's another kind of lens shift for me, where it's like, how grateful am I for that gift? Like wherever I have it in my life, because it is a gift, you know, it's such a big blessing. So I think, you know, we can ask the Lord for those kinds of relationships. I think he wants us to have those kinds of relationships um, where we're supported in prayer and supported in mm -hmm. the spirit, you know, where, um, where, like you said, Aaron, it's not just a friendship about of use, like, or, or a friendship of right. common interest. It's a friendship mm -hmm. of real sacrificial love, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know if someone's listening and they don't have friendships like that. Like the Lord wants us to have, even if it's not, I don't know, maybe it's spiritual friendships, with the saints. I don't know. That's definitely a thing, you know, like I would just encourage you to pray for that. And if you have those in your life, just to, you know, I, I think it's, it's good for us to be grateful, to have that posture of gratitude, for that. Um, I think it can open us up to other relationships, you know, in our lives that God wants us to experience, mm. to have that gratitude. Mm. You know, it's, I, I love the idea of, of just praying for friends, like asking the Lord for, for friends. Cause I, I, I can remember times from when I was a child where, you know, okay. So my siblings and I were homeschooled, but we were involved in lots of stuff. So there wasn't a shortage of like <laughs> other kids. So I want this to be like, yes, very the right way. Um, but it was hard to find people who I really clicked with. And there were different times mm. I remember it would be myself or maybe one of my sisters, like one of us just like, didn't have like a friend. We didn't have a best friend, you know? Mm. And so my mom was, I was like, okay, well, we'll just pray. And then I, there would be maybe months or however long it felt like a really long time when I was a kid where we would be praying for, you know, we pray that Cecile's going to find friends or whoever, whoever was the person I remember at different times, it was different, different of us. And always, always without fail, maybe we had to wait a while, but a really 
good friend would come into that person's mm. life. Like oftentimes like lifelong friends. And sometimes those weeks were long. Like in high school, I remember not having, you know, good friends for a while, but then, then good friends came. Mm. Um, but just like asking persistently for that, like that, that is a good thing that I love that, mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Yeah. It's even, even like for the particular needs we have, because I was just talking to somebody today who's going to be, so I'm a consecrated virgin. For those of you, if you don't know what it is, you can look it up, (laughs) send us a message and I'll, (laughs) I'll explain it to you. Um, but I was talking to somebody who's going to be consecrated, um, before the end of this year. And we were talking about even the importance of having, like, for me, it's important to be around other consecrated women, like Mm -hmm. regularly, because, um, yeah, because some of the ways of life are so similar, some of the challenges are similar, some of the, you know, um, and so it's like the Lord provides for those needs in a, in a different way. Um, and so it's like, it just strikes me that he, like, it's not like he provides generic random people, like your high school, but whatever he provides, like he provides specific people, like he provides, um, he provides in such an abundant or such a, such a personal way. That's the word I'm looking for. He provides in such a personal way for us, which then sometimes does like he's working in the background, but sometimes it does take uh, patience and trust for us to, to like, to believe really that he is working and that he is like, he is already moving and he has already been moving even before you pray to Mm -hmm. like address those needs, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a challenge. I think the key is to not give in to the lie, at least for, for myself as somebody who's more introverted and tends to overthinking and anxious thoughts and things like that. Um, the temptation when I've been lonely or alone is to, to let that be internalized and say, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm not deserving of good friendships. No one would like me anyways. And I may as well just stay alone because this is my fate. Mm -hmm. Like that is not of the Lord. So to continue to ask for friends and say, no, like the Lord Mm -hmm. wants to give me this good thing. And I'm just going to keep asking for it and being patient. I think that is tough sometimes because it means vulnerability, but that is, that is a, a way to live in faith of of the yeah. goodness of God, you know, sorry. I just had this, the, this, <laughs> like a fun, like I used to think when I was still discerning my vocation and I was like, okay, well maybe I'm called to marriage. And I'm like, oh, but I don't know, like who would, mar- cause I'm whatever, all the things that you think about yourself, right. Mm-hmm. That would be inhib- inhibitory towards that. But then I would look at like another person and be like, that person is so weird and they are married. <laughs> so <laughs> they can get married. Somebody yep. can love me. I feel like it's the same with friends too. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I totally. am very weird. And if I can have friends love me, then you dear listener can have friends love you. For yeah, you. That's right. Yeah. We, yeah, I get that though. I do get that. I mean, it's subjective, but it's like, if you're like, that person seems super strange to me and they seem <laughs> like they have a lot of lovely people that love them. And I, you know, shouldn't judge them because they probably are really lovely. <laughs> so like, They're, Obviously I'm not seeing something about them that is good and true and, and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. I know. But no, I get that. I do get that. I think, I think we overstate our limitations sometimes in our own heads. We're like, well, and, be, and we understate the power of God, 
right? We're yeah. like, well, mm-hmm. God can't. And the goodness of other people, like yeah, exactly, yeah. the capacity. <laughs> and like, the weirdness of not, other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the weirdness of other people. That's right. We're like, like, oh, yeah. I'm too weird. I'm too weird. It's like, really? You're the weirdest on the earth? Like you've made that subjective judgment right. for yourself? Like, that's right. wow. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's basically pride. Like all of us is basically just yeah. us being like, well, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. lovable. And that's like, it's kind of like a weird. It's just true. It's a weird iterate. Yeah, it is a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You get the gold star of weirdoness. That's yeah, your, that's we're gonna, yeah. Yeah. So, that's right. yeah. I mean, I, so I guess, you know, this conversation is hoping that if you're out there and you're struggling mm. with community right now, or just feeling kind of an odd, like an oddball, you know, um, then you know you're not alone. We're we're yeah. all we're all strange. we're all, we, and we're you know all weirdos. Yeah, <laughs> we're all weirdos. And I'm just thinking about this too. Like, if you're maybe you're in a place where you are feeling like settled and full of community and just like happy, don't let yourself just stick with your clicks. Like, look for the folks who are new and on the yeah. edges and invite yeah. them to stuff. Like, yeah. make yes. them feel welcome because that's mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I think of um, this is how I met Nathan. Right, he had just moved to Toronto. Aaron, you were yeah. like, come to my consecration. You just randomly invited him. And then he came because he was looking for that community. He was looking yeah. for people and then we met there. So you never just, know. Cause you, know? you never even know. Like I'm, as you were saying that I was like, oh yeah, I totally <laughs> forgot I did that. Like you have no idea. Like the, it's the lit, these little tiny things that we do sometimes or that we say or whatever that are, that have, we don't know the impact that they can have in other people's Life lives. Life altering. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's you right. Know, it's just like, I, I feel like, the idea of making acts of faith, Mm. like hope and love Mm. are just kind of sums up what we're talking because you, because, you know, acts of service or acts of charity really are, you know, just making acts of love, but then also having faith in the power of God to, to provide for your, Mm. your needs for community and also to heal you, you know, of that kind of experience of, of the wound of loneliness and like, yeah, or not of just loneliness, but of isolation, maybe let's say, and then, mm-hmm. and then just hope, right. Making acts of hope that, and trust in God. So I think, you know, yeah, like just that's in a simple way. Yeah. These are all kind of different ways in which I feel like God has led us to do that, to mm-hmm. encourage us to make, keep making acts of faith, hope, and love yeah. in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, which is cool. Yeah. So because every cross is tied to a resurrection of some kind, every right. cross in the Lord, it all is. So it has, yeah. to be, there's something that he's doing. That's yeah. right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so frightening. Uh, yeah. so it kind of did wake me up. That was really good because I have uh-huh. bookshelves after this. So I'm Listen, like, you know, I'm right. getting the weird award. Nobody is going to take <laughs> it away from me. Don't you anybody try. <laughs> Uh, you oh might be, man, you, know, yeah. you really might. Be. That's good. Yeah, um, that's right. So yeah, uh, do do we have a God wink this week? Oh yeah, anybody? Yeah. Oh, I don't I can, have a God. I wink. can share one. I can okay. share one. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. Um, <clears throat> well, this is so. This is just like yeah, a thing I'm grateful for. So I'm I am a professor, but I'm also a PhD student, finishing up my PhD and hopefully almost done. Woo-hoo. Um, which is great. So I'm in my fifth year now of this PhD. I was funded for four years, so this year they're they're starting to charge me tuition, which I just like, guys. I just did not have a plan for how I was going to pay for that. Um, and I applied for some scholarships, but I didn't think I was going to get very much. But I found out a couple of weeks ago that not only did I get one of these scholarships, it was like more than I anticipated and Aww. my tuition is covered. So all of a sudden this thing that was like a big stress was just, yeah. it was like the Lord Praise reminding God. me like, 
I'm just providing for you. Like, don't worry about things, you know? That's yeah. Amazing. Um, and oh it's, God. you know, I'm the type of person that is trying to be very, very financially responsible all the time. Mm. And in this area, I was like, I literally don't have a plan and I don't, you know, and the Lord like took care of me anyway. It wasn't like, I didn't have to be so perfect and planful mm-hmm. for him to take care of me. So that was. And planful. Was, I yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's oh, a great word. I want to use it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's amazing, Nicole. I'm so excited for you. Anyway, Congratulations. Sounds good. So thank you, God. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Praise guys. God. Yeah. Well, um, that's a wrap on episode two, season three. Thank you for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. God Can't bless you. Can't wait to talk to you then. God bless y'all. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.